The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. If you're listening to this from the comfort of your own home, spare a thought for those in the UK who have no home to call their own. The report, the Housing Monitor, reports that in 2015-16, 58,000 homeless acceptances were uh, agreed, some 18,000 higher across England than in 2009 and 10. Thankfully, Christians were involved in seeking to alleviate the pain of those involved and bring solutions that take people out of the cycles of poverty that lead to homelessness. One such charity is Church Housing Trust, which can trace a background of helping homeless people back more than 130 years. Last year, the Trust helped more than 5,000 people in over 100 projects by funding training, group activities, travel expenses, clothing and other bespoke sport. To talk of their work and the challenges they face, I'm joined this week on the Leadership File by Mark Bolton. Mark is on the board of the Church Housing Trust and had a period in his life when he was homeless himself. So welcome, Mark, to the Leadership File. Good morning. Welcome. Nice so, to speak to you. Lovely, lovely to chat with you. I mean, your interest in this kind of charity comes, of course, because you benefited from those who cared about homelessness. So maybe you could share a little about your, your story, uh, and some of your background, what you were doing and how homelessness uh, sure. kind of uh, was a problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it. I mean, I'll, with my story, I'll, it began with drink, actually. And just to add as well, you know, I've been a Christian since I'm 16, but I haven't always lived the life. And uh, I fell into uh, a big period of my life where I was drinking. And I was 50 years old. I'd just recently gone bankrupt. And I had a big fight with the police. And I ended up in court. And part of the um, sentence was that I couldn't return home to my wife because I had a, had a big argument with her. And that was on a, on a Saturday. So within the space of um, 24 hours, I was actually homeless at uh, 50 years old, which is not a good place to be. My word. So what, what, and, do, you um, what do you actually do when that happens, uh, Mark? I mean, you, you know, you face that. So... What's your first thought? <laughs> well, believe it or not, even in that position, you know, as a believer, it was to pray. Um, and also, I <laughs> sweat a little bit. I had to walk all the way back from Hammersmith um, in just the clothes the, the police officers had given me and wearing flip-flops to Ladbroke Grove. And I went round a dear friend's house. And um, I di honestly didn't know where I was going to go. Um, so she managed to get me some clothes from my previous address um, and I just headed off with a bit of hope and, you know, just to, to see where, what would happen. And where I ended up, believe it or not, was in, it was in a squat in um, Kennington. It was a dilapidated pub and a friend of mine had, had taken it over and turned it into like a skater park. Um, so I, I went there and I, and I stayed there, actually, um, which I felt was a lot better than, than living actually on the streets. Sure, sure. It was, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't the best. It was, you know, wasn't in good condition and um, it was quite cold, uh, but it was better than living on the streets. And at, 
at 50 years old, it, it, it was a very stressful situation. Um, and the problem was, because it was the old cricketers' pub, obviously the Oval, it still, still had all the optics full of booze, which, you know, wasn't the best place for me at the no, time. Quite, so, quite. so I did, you know, start drinking again, because this is the problem. When, when you find yourself in this situation, it is so stressful that you need to self-medicate just to get through. And, you know, I had no income either because my benefits had, had been stopped. And I was, I was in a very dark place, actually. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and I spoke to my, my dear friend, Glenn, and he said, Mark, he said, I think you've got a bit of a drink problem. And, and I, I knew I had. Um, I'd, I'd given up the drugs in, in you know, the late 20s, early 30s. But drink had always been a problem um, with me. And, um, you know, it's something I'd battled with. And I probably still will battle with it all my life. And from there, I went, I missed my place in a rehab, um, which my ex-wife had managed to get me in. And so I had to go to a psychiatric hospital to do a detox, because that was the only place available in London. And it was one in there that was very, very strange. I mean, I remember spending my 51st birthday with a friend who was also in there. And he was an ex-RA. IRA sniper, and I'm going to use the word allegedly there for obvious reasons. At two in the morning, we sat in the lounge watching one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, my word. And I, <laughs> and all, all the films, was, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I looked at him and he looked at me, and you know, I was thinking, which one of us is Jack Mickelson and yes. which one of us is the chief? Yeah, yeah. And I think we both realised we'd got to get out of that place. But while I was in there, there was a pastor who came to visit and he said, would anyone not like to do a Bible study? And I, and I said, yeah, I would. And we actually did the, the study of the, the prodigal son All right. yeah. and had a prayer. And, and I suddenly realized, you know, that was me, really. Absolutely. You, that I had really hit rock bottom as a Christian. Absolutely. You know, 50 one years old, in a psychiatric hospital, detoxing, homeless, you know, two failed marriages behind me. I feel crumbs, you know. I, I really have, you know, eaten, I really am eating the food of the pigs here. So I, I, I made a little prayer, and from that time, I, I, that's where I picked up my relationship with, with God again and started reading the Bible every day and praying as, as you do. That's the only way to get back on track. And from there, I, I went to, to a detox clinic, um, no, sorry, a rehab in Western Super Male. We called it Western Super Nightmare. <laughs> and right, yes. while I was there, I made a very close friend with Dean Moore, who is Bobby Moore's son. All right. And yeah, we become. I never really had a close male friend, but we become so close. We were like brothers. We used to see each other every day when he came out. But unfortunately, he passed away, which was very sad. And it, it wasn't because of drinking. He pretty much stopped that. He, he had very bad diabetes and asthma. 
um, and that was a, a big, big blow. But I, I did my my detox, my detox and my rehab. I think in rehab, you know, I realised I had to I had to face a lot of things, and and that was myself actually, um, and the reasons why I drunk and, and many many things come up, and a lot of things that come up. Um, I know a lot of you know most people that be listening to this will be Christians. It was my wrong concept of God, and uh, you know I, I I I didn't get that God was a, a God who loved me unconditionally, yeah. and I tormented myself and beaten myself up for many years because of my failings, and because of that guilt. That's a lot of the reasons why I I drank. And once I managed to get my head around that, I, I, I found that very, very liberating. It was like a, a big, a big weight had been been lifted off me. Mm. Now, from there, I, I came to to London to live back in Ladbroke Grove, in a riverside supported housing project, and that's where I encountered the Church Housing Trust, which which is a fabulous organisation. You know, they they. They help and support people who live in the Riverside projects. They support with funding and, you know, just helping you get back into society and get back on your feet. I mean, I've had um, vouchers off them to get new clothes. And, and when you're on benefits and you haven't got any money, you know, when you get vouchers for a couple of hundred pounds to, to keep yourself out, it, it, it really does, really does, does help. And from there, I've, I've, I've done some public speaking for them into, you know, in fundraising events. I've made a film for them last year, and they asked me to be, become a trustee. And I think one of the reasons they did that was because, for me, I might not have to say much on, on the board, but it's just my presence there. It, it represents the type of people that, they, that they're helping. And um, yeah, that's pretty much my story, really. Um, so, so the, for the period of time from when you were um, starting rehab to to getting out, what sort of length of time was that? Mark? I was in rehab for twenty weeks. Well, yeah, it's it, you know, and there was people who came in there from prison, some some you know some tough cookies, I can tell you, and they were told if you can do this rehab, which was. CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, yeah. we will halve your sentence. Yeah. You know, and, that, and, and they couldn't couldn't stick it. I mean, there was one young man called Jerain, who was a, a big guy, and he said, Mark, he said, in prison, he said, I run my wing. He said, people do as I, I, I tell them. He said, I can deal with that. But he couldn't deal with the rehab because it was bringing up too much pain for him. Mark, so yeah. he, he had to leave, and a lot of people did have to leave as well. It's not it's it's not an easy thing to. So it's not just weeks. it's not just the detox from drugs, but it's also the the conversation that you have to go through that was tough for him. It is, it is. We each have our our own. We have group it was group therapy every every um every morning, and then we we did some work, some written work. And then you share your life history, and then you do work on your life history. You know, and a lot of this stuff, why people use drugs or drink, it goes completely right back to people's childhood. Yeah. 
and and that's you know blatantly obvious to me. I can see that even in in my my own life. And you have to deal with your own demons, and take responsibility for your own actions, and you know own the fact that you know it's the you know I don't blame anybody. It's the choices I made that ended up in me doing 20 weeks in rehab. But when I do look back, I also see the hand of God in my life. Mm. Because, you know, I shouldn't really be here at all. I should either be dead or in prison, you know, there's Mm. no doubt about that. But but God's grace has always pulled me through. And Mm. I have to, have to, to give thanks for him for that. And you know what? You'll be surprised when, when I was in rehab that there was a lot of people in the same position that, you know, they did believe in God and they did profess a Christian faith, but things had, had just gone wrong. And I think, you know, we're all capable of, of falling into that that situation, and, mm. and which, you know, I did as well as many others. Yeah. Well, you're listening but, to... Um, you're listening to the leadership file. Sorry, Mark, I just having to go to a, a break at this point. So we're listening. You're listening to the leadership file with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Mark Bolton. Mark is on the board of a Church Housing Strike. We'll be back just after this. And welcome back to the leadership file with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Mark Bolton, who's on the board of Church Housing Trust. Before the break, he was he was sharing very powerfully his his very sad story of um, of of ending up. Um, uh, struggling with alcohol and, and going into rehab and uh, how that kind of brought up some of the uh, struggles he'd had in the past and which had led him to addiction and um, and how God had brought him wonderfully through that. Uh, and he's now on the board of, of Church Housing Trust. So, so Mark, you obviously now are aware of the kind of things that Church Housing Trust does. Um, share, share with listeners a little bit of, uh, of the kind of ways in which you're able to help people. Well, I think for me, the way I'm able to help people is, is I can relate to, to, to many people. And I, I, like I said, I can, I can I go to, to a couple of meetings, well, a few meetings actually, where I do literally share my story. I share my story and that gives gives people hope. And people can, re- can relate to my story, you know, because I don't, I will treat everybody the same, whether you're a king or whether you're a, a villain a beggar, a poor, poor, rich or poor. And that's how I'm able to help people get back on track. And because when when you're on the streets or you're in trouble, you need to be able to speak to someone you can relate to. And that's how I can help. By putting them in contact with the Church Housing Trust and they can put them in contact with Riverside, who have two of the biggest um, homeless projects in London, King George's and Queen Mary's. And just puts people if you like I help people get on the bus then other people will drive that that bus to where they need to to be to to get into recovery and to get into a good place and to and basically to get back in into society and being getting back into society doesn't mean you know you believe everything that society throws at you but it you know you're, you're becoming a whole person again and that's what hopefully what you know through my story I can help people do I mean in my younger days I was very much a revolutionary you know it almost dabbled with the communist party 
as, you, as I've got older, I, I realise it's not about revolution, it's about evolution. It's about changing yourself, yeah. to, you know, to be, to be a better person, to be a godly person and to be the best you can be. So that's hopefully what I can, can bring, actually, to the table. But by and large, do you find that, that most people want help when you offer it or are there those who say, no, I'll stick to the streets, thanks? There's a lot of people... And I have total respect for these people. There's people I've even met in the past who've had council flats, turned it in to go and live on the streets. There's a lot of people that are highly intelligent that see through the whole fabric of this society. It's almost been created for us by the media. They want nothing to do with it, and they turn their back and they go and live on the street. And some of these people, you know, they don't drink and they don't take drugs. But there's also a lot of people that, that just totally fall through the benefit net. There was a young man I met yesterday. He was he was begging outside of Sainsbury's. I was with my daughter, and he was asking for money. I said, oh, I said, oh, and come on, Andy, we'll just have a chat. And I said, what, what's what's your story, mate? And he told me, and he could just see that he was young. He, he you know he wasn't entitled to the full benefits. He couldn't go home. He was looking for some money for a hostel for the night. So, and I gave him some. Some, some money and um, but there's also a lot of people that are deep in alcoholism and addiction and it's really until they want to break those bonds that you can really start to, to help them yeah. it's a terrible place to be um, being enslaved to drink or drugs and it's, it's not I know people go on about it and it's going to sound very cliched but it's not until you really reach rock bottom, which is a different—it's a different level for many people—that you you look at yourself and you've got to look at yourself and say, "I don't want this life anymore. I don't want to be enslaved to drugs. I don't want to be enslaved to drink." And then once you've done that, you can start to make good choices. But while you're in, they call it the madness, and it is the madness. You're deluded. You're not living the truth because your 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 whole concept and your whole way of thinking is um, damaged by the alcohol or drugs you're taking. You're not you're not really a normal person. Yeah. That makes sense. No, sure. You're so Riverside Care and Support when they um, when they help someone is that for a fixed period or is it unconditionally time wise? How does it work? Well, for me, I can only speaking my own ex experiences. I mean, in the hostels, they take people in and they will, you know, if people need a detox, they can point them in the right direction, support them, and then work with local authority to get these people rehoused. Right. And that's, that's how, that, you know, the, the idea is to, they're playing the long, for the long game. Um, but the support is always there. I mean, I, you know, I live in a riverside side property um, it, it's a supported housing project it's a dry project so there's no drink or, or, or drugs allowed on the premises and um, originally you're supposed to be here for a couple of years and then move on but because of the housing crisis it, it hasn't been been that easy but um, you know I'm not uh, just saying it because I'm living in, in a riverside 
um, faulty, but they are a great organisation and that they're, they're nationwide and uh, they do a lot, lot of great work all over the country mm. in supporting people and helping people get off the streets and get off drink and drugs, which is, which is as important as getting off the streets. Yeah. And I understand there's quite a lot of young people involved, particularly, sadly, that um, you know, become homeless very young. Well, they do become homeless very young. I mean, a lot of this is down to the government. It's down to the, you know, the benefits. Again, down to this, you know, ideological forced austerity that's that's on us, which is completely wrong. I mean, we're the richest, one of the richest nations in the world, and yet we've got food banks. You know, if someone's um, 18, 19, they're coming from an abusive home, and they. they they got nowhere to go. They will end up on the streets because there's no, there's no help for them yeah. at all. And, the, you know, and it's, it's a, they're often there's people evicted from um, you know landlords. The, the rents go up. They can't afford it, and they get into a sort of cycle of poverty. Well, this is it. I mean, I've always said you know because I was on the board of directors as a non-executive director for Riverside Support and Care for six years. I have always said. The biggest issue in this country is the lack of social housing being built. If you, if the government decided to build plenty of social housing in this country, it would solve so many problems, you know, as well as the, it would also be an attack against the right wing because they're so quickly to say, well, all the immigrants are getting all the, the social housing, which is actually untrue. But everybody in this nation who comes here deserves a home. They deserve a home. And that is one of the, bit, one of the biggest problems. This whole so-called recovery is a bubble based upon inflated housing prices. But, you know, it's what we need is, is social housing. It's exactly, you know, what we need. I mean, I live in, in Ladbroke Grove. I've, I've, in Kensington, I'm seeing the changes here, you know, and... Uh, but, but, but we're sitting on a time bomb, you know, because where are these young people going to live in London? Where are they going to live? Yeah. Well, certainly you know, London is we... one of the toughest areas for, for homelessness. Obviously, the Church Army founded the yeah. Church Housing Trust, you know, yes, yes, yeah. based around the embankment, didn't they? So we're back in... Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, abs- absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, 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 we find ourselves in a very... Awful situation. Um, so what you know, the only thing to do is, I guess, is to keep lobbying the, the MPs and, and someone, someone, someone somewhere. The light's got to go on. I mean, you know, they built plenty of places after the Second World War, homes for heroes, and but now we got, you know, plenty of people I speak to on the streets are ex-servicemen. You know, they are. They are heroes, whether you agree with the wars that we've been involved in or not, and that they've ended up on the street, which is, which is totally wrong. Um, the other thing I would say about Riverside, they had two great um, veterans projects, Mike Jackson House and the Beacon in Catterick as well. So they are involved in that as well. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, I guess... I guess we, as we're sort of coming to an end, I mean, would you would you mind if I, if I read a poem that I wrote? Out? Absolutely. Yeah, we're, just, we're just coming to the end. Last 30 seconds or so. That'd be great, Mark. Thank you so much. Okay. 
I've always written, this is called The Redemption of Johnny Cash. I mean, Johnny Cash went into a cave with some pills and drink to kill himself, and this is called The Redemption of Johnny Cash. It says, I have been to that dark place, the cavern of despair, lacking hope, cutting myself with the flints of guilt and fear, insanity caused by the constant dripping of my inner tears, my soul trapped in a sinful body and tortured mind. Moving deeper, further back over the rock, cold rocks, only to hear the whisper of God's voice, his gentle hand leading me slowly back into the light. And that's what Church Housing Trust does. It brings people from darkness into the light, supports them so they can stay in the light. And then it gives a platform for people like me to speak and share my story so other people can see the light in themselves. Well, Mark, thank you so much for for sharing today, and for and so glad that you know for you it's been your, your nightmare actually became was dealt with, and uh, in due course you've you know able to uh, serve God as as you are speaking out for them and serving the uh, Church Housing Trust as you do. So, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So, you're listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Mark Bolton. He's on the board of Church Housing Trust. Uh, you can listen to archive versions of the Leadership File, including this one in due course, by going to Premier's own website. And uh, you can also go to iTunes and download uh, past shows uh, at your leisure to your listening device. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to your company next Sunday at 3.30. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.